Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Coach Baseball Right podcast. I'm your host and founder of Coach Baseball Right, Steve Nicolarat. Join us as we go inside, outside, and all around baseball, discussing how to coach baseball the right way. Hi, everybody. Steve Nicolarat with Coach Baseball Right. If you are considering how to improve your organization, facility, or league, consider our organizational league facility certifications. These certifications are extremely affordable and you can choose from three different levels. Level one is our most affordable certification that starts with just your administrator getting access to our pro membership resources. And then all of your coaches can be put on the same page by using our rookie membership resources. Level two certification gets all your coaches in your entire organization using our pro membership resources together. Level two will help your coaches teach and develop consistently throughout your program. And level three, everyone in your organization, all administrators, all coaches, all parents, all get on the same page with access to our pro membership. Level three will completely transform your baseball program. Plus, we'll provide year-long follow-up for support strategies and ideas to help you and your organization maximize and use these certifications. If you're asking how you can make a difference for your organization, league, or facility, consider these organizational certifications. Our guest for today's Coach Baseball Right podcast is Steve Schlanger, longtime broadcaster at NBC. Steve currently does play-by-play for a variety of sports on NBC and NBCSN, including hockey, basketball, cycling, speed skating, luge, figure skating, and freestyle skiing. Steve made his Olympic debut with NBC Sports at the 2012 Games in London, and he also worked the Olympic Games in 2018. He has been a play-by-play announcer for more than 30 different sports for various networks during his career. His broadcasting highlights include play-by-play for Major League Baseball, football for Fox Sportsnet and the Big Ten Network, and hockey and basketball for CBS Sports Network. Sit back and enjoy our discussion with Steve Schlanger. Hi, everybody. We're here with Steve Schlanger, award-winning veteran broadcaster and one of the most versatile in the business. Steve, welcome to our Coach Baseball Right podcast. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Hey, Steve, our Coach Baseball Right program, it's all about helping organizations, coaches, and parents transform baseball experiences and developments. We started this podcast to allow our listeners to hear different perspectives on coaching baseball the right way. So with that being said, let's jump in and and, uh, and start our discussion. Hey, can Steve, can you give our listeners just a little bit of info uh, about your broadcasting duties? Uh, well, I primarily work for NBC, and I do play-by-play for a lot of events for them throughout the year, most notably things like the Olympics every two years. Uh, I do college basketball, football, hockey. Uh, I do a lot of the Olympic-oriented sports outside of the Olympic Games themselves, um, a lot of World Cup alpine skiing. I'll do some beach volleyball, things like that that get kind of peppered in throughout the year, and then uh, I do some you know, one-off shows for them as well. I did the studio hosting, you know, uh, this past year for the Ironman World Championships and 
um, things of that nature, um, you know, within the NBC family. And then beyond that, um, you know, I also do some events for ESPN and some other networks as well, um, you know, in play-by-play, you know, college basketball in, in particular. But those are, uh, again, sort of one-offs. The majority of what I do is, is uh, within the NBC Sports Network, and I also do um, some reporting and hosting, you know, things like the Tour de France and some cycling as well. So that's kind of the full package for the most part. You stay very, very busy. I do. I do. Uh, it, it, it's pretty much uh, a year-round endeavor, I, mean, I guess like any job, really. Um, I do have times where uh, I get a little more um, downtime than others. Uh, but there's also times where I'm gone for several weeks in a row. So it kind of, you know, comes in chunks in the calendar. You know, it doesn't always lay out perfectly, but that's just kind of the nature of the business as well. Hey, can you give us a little bit about your journey, maybe um, some specific events or people that helped you get to where you are today in, in your uh, in your field of broadcasting? Um there, uh, along the way, I would have to say, were a couple of people that, uh, you know, just were kind of mentors or just help, you know, happen to connect me to the right people at the right time. And uh, they, uh, you know, a few of them were names that, you know, people wouldn't necessarily know. Um, you know, there's a producer uh, by the name of Kent Gordis, who you know, is in New York and is more of a cycling producer. And you know, it's kind of a long story the way he and I connected, but he was the one that sort of set me on the path to winding up at NBC. And it was a combination of circumstances, but without him, I would never, you know, probably have been in a position to land at NBC the way I did. So in, in, a, in a lot of ways, that connection and what he did, setting things up uh, in the manner in which he did, you know, is one of the biggest things that's ever happened. Um, and there's another producer, um, you know, once I got to NBC, who was also very influential for helping uh, me navigate some of the channels and, you know, was a big champion of mine, a guy named David Michaels, who is the brother of Al Michaels, who everybody knows is, uh, you know, the play-by-play guy for Sunday Night Football and the Miracle on Ice and things uh, of that nature. He's his brother, and he's been a producer at NBC for a long time. He's also been a, you know, a big supporter of mine, and he was also one of the big uh, influences. Um, and early on, when I was still in high school at SLU, as a matter of fact, Bob Costas and I got to know each other, and you know, he sort of helped me you know, as I was getting into college and just starting out and you know, figuring things out along the way and, you know, make some calls for me after I got out of college about getting those first jobs and uh, was also a, a great mentor in the early days as well. So, you know, those are the few of the names I think that, you know, played a rather significant part in me, you know, getting on the path that I did to land where I am now. Can you uh, tell our, our listeners a little <laughs> bit about, uh, I mean, you, you do a ton of broadcasting, so many different kinds of sports and activities. What was your background as a as a kid? Uh, you know, I just played all kinds of different sports. I mean, I, you know, I was the, the probably the typical kid who, whatever sport was in season, that's my favorite sport at the time. That's what I was doing. You know, out playing, and um, you know, soccer was always my favorite sport. Just that's the one that sort of I gravitated to early on, and it just it became my favorite. But I was, I mean, I was playing hockey and baseball and basketball and. You know, anything that, you know, was in season or that my friends were playing. And, you know, we were playing in the street. And 
you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, growing up where I did, you know, in the, the Shrewsbury area, um, you know, I was, I went to St. Michael's grade school and my group of friends there, I mean, you know, we were essentially, uh, you know, friends from kindergarten through eighth grade before we went to high school and we all lived within a, you know, a, a radius of, you know, probably two miles so we could all ride our bikes to each other's houses and the parks and, you know, so we were always, you know, at somebody's house, uh, in their backyard, going to a park, you know, playing football, doing whatever. And that, is, you know, is just something that we were constantly doing. I mean, we weren't inside. I was never a big video game guy, even in, I guess, sort of the infancy of video games. When I was Atari and Space Invaders, you know, you're back. <laughs> you're when dating I yourself now. <laughs> oh, no, I know. I, I know. I'm well aware. I mean, I, I have kids now that it, it's just, it's, it's a whole completely different dimension in terms of, <laughs> You know, playing Fortnite while you're watching other people play on your iPad and things like that. But you know, back in that, I just I just never got into video games. I was always out playing, and even if I wasn't with my friends, you know, I would go out and uh, we had this brick wall out behind our house uh, in our driveway. And I remember, you know, I would just I would take my baseball glove and I would take a tennis ball and I would throw it off the wall to practice my fielding because there were these little grooves in in the brick to where if I hit it just right, it would provide different sorts of hops. So I could get, you know, in one way I could get uh, like a sharp ground ball coming back to me. Or if I threw it a different way, I could get a high hop and then have to charge it and short hop it. And it would just give me practice on, you know, different types of fielding that I would have to do. And I would just go out and do stuff like that on my own and, you know, practice turning a pivot by throwing it up, you know, catching it off of one wall, turning it throw it to the other wall. And, that was just basically sort of you know my routine. <clears throat> can um, can you can you relate uh, maybe how did playing sports, you know the ups and downs, the successes and failures, how did it help you get to where you are today as as a broadcaster and and even as a parent? Yeah, I mean I think that you know, for me personally, uh, you know it just helped me understand that you know you do have the ups and downs and you can't win them all uh and even though i have always been so competitive you know probably to a fault i think i still am that way too it's like i mean i hate to lose i've never been a good loser i think i've gotten better at it over the years as i've gotten older but at the same time uh you know one of the things that my business that i'm in really demands is perseverance because there's a lot of times you get knocked down or things just don't go your way. And being the type of personality that I am, I always like to push through something. I always like to feel like, you know what, if I'm prepared, if I'm organized, if I'm on top of the, you know, of all the details, I should be able to make things work out. Well, you know, in life, and in particular in my business, you can't always do that. You may dot every I and cross every T, do everything just right, and you may not get the breaks or things in certain situations may not go your way. There's just nothing you can do about it. Uh, and, you know, in sports, sometimes, you know, it, it's a lot of that way too, where you, know, you can be prepared as, a, as an athlete or as a team and you may you know, focus on the right execution, fundamentals and all the right things. And the score at the end may just not reflect everything that you're doing correctly. Uh, because, you know, you can control effort, you can control preparation, but a lot of times you can't control outcome. Uh, and I think that's one of the biggest lessons that I've learned, you know, through sports, both playing and then working in the business of sports as well. 
You know, you have seen uh, some of the best athletes in the in the world perform on a, on a world stage when you when you cover the Olympics. What similarities have you noticed um, when dealing with these kinds of athletes? Um, I think you know some of the biggest is just the the best of the best have that attention to detail and that focus and that commitment that sets them apart. Um, and, and we're talking at that level, and a lot of people, you know, have that same commitment. But you know, the the finer details, even you know, that they, they take it up even another level. Um, and you know, everything they do in their life is uh, you know sort of is built around that. Um, and, you know, they've made certain sacrifices along the way, you know, to get to where they are. And I think, um, you know, it's a situation where, you know, when I was growing up and playing sports, um, you know, I, I had some ability, but, you know, I was never one, you know, I, I never really thought that I was going to be a professional athlete. And, you know, I didn't always, okay, I got to be out training every day and doing this and watching my diet and all of that stuff. Um, but when I see athletes at that level, you know, every second of their day, you know, they're mindful of how what they're doing is impacting, you know, their performance and their focus from what they're eating to how much they're sleeping to recovery. I and mean, that's something I never thought about, you know, when I was playing sports and growing up is just the, the aspect of recovery and how, uh, from day to day, that is, you know, almost as important as, you know, the training you're doing for your sport itself. So it's the mindfulness of the comprehensive approach um, and that lifestyle has and that, that sort of an impact on your performance. And as an athlete, you may go out and especially in these Olympic sports compared to like team sports where a game may be two or three hours in football, basketball or whatever. Uh, and some of these Olympic sports, I mean, you're talking, you know, the the hundred meter dash, you know, ten seconds, or you're talking about a figure skating routine that lasts two minutes, or you know a swimming race that could be thirty seconds. You know, and you're training years upon years for these brief moments, and to have that dedication to every single day, spending all that time and staying so disciplined and so committed to all the little details, knowing that it's all going to come down to those few precious seconds of competition. Uh, that's some real commitment. <clears throat> can you uh, can you name one or two things that you've seen while broadcasting that have just blown you away? I mean, really, really impacted you. Uh, events that I've been working and covering. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Uh, I would say. Well, let's see. Um, well. There's been good and bad. Um, when I was at the Olympics in Sochi, I remember it wasn't a, it wasn't a, an event that I was actually broadcasting, but I happened to go to because it was a rare off day. I went to the U.S. Russia hockey game, you know. And having been a kid, when you know the Miracle on Ice happened, you know, has always been a, a great memory for me. But to actually go to an Olympics and see the U.S. play Russia in hockey, and the fact that it was in Russia, and then it goes to the penalty shootout. And, you know, TJ she you know, you know, went out there multiple times, you know, and had several goals. And, you know, to be in that arena was really a cool experience. Um, I also went to uh, the gold medal soccer game at the London Olympics when I was working there as well. 
Um, and that was, uh, you know, that was Mexico against Brazil. And, you know, just the pageantry and all of that was, was tremendous, too. You know, some of the ones, uh, <clears throat> I would say as far as, you know, on-air broadcasting certain events, um, you know, I did the Masters a few years ago. And, you know, to be at Augusta National after watching it all these years and, you know, to be part of the broadcast was, was really special. I had also, uh, a few years prior to that, uh, done the British Open at St. Andrews for ESPN, you know, and that, and to be, see, to see all the history and you know, just to be calling the event and, and you're calling, you know, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson and all these things, and you know, you're calling the play by play as these guys are going along. And it's, it's kind of a surreal experience because for all those years, you know, you're watching this at these places with these athletes. And now you're actually one of the ones who's broadcasting it, uh, is, is very different. Um, but, very, uh, very cool, very cool experience. Um, but I would also say that, you know, one of the most uh, jarring experiences was I was calling a cycling race one time. Uh, and it was, there's three grand tours every year in cycling, you know, kind of like the Grand Slam in tennis or the majors in golf, like there's four of those. Like there's three big cycling races, Tour of Italy, Tour de France, and Tour of Spain. I was calling a Tour of Italy one year, and a rider actually died during the race crashed, hit a wall, and almost died on the spot. And we were on the air during this whole process. And it was one of those things where you never expect something like that to happen, And especially because you're, you're calling sports. And so it was this very real uh, human, you know, sort of life moment. And, you know, it was a tragedy that was happened during the sporting event. So it was something that, uh, you know, really sort of hit me in a in a bizarre way uh, i was kind of emotional but you know you're still kind of on the air and you gotta you gotta go on with the show so to speak and so it was you know i would say the opposite end of these other events that i'm talking about uh of how you have to handle it in a certain way with a certain approach and you know tastefulness you know while still sort of you know maintaining the composure of the moment to be on the air so uh, in answer to your question, I've, I've seen sort of like both ends of the spectrum when it comes to those sorts of things. And uh, it certainly puts things, uh, that kind of experience certainly puts yep. things in perspective. Right. Um, let's let's um, kind of head over to the your your role as a parent now. You have how many children and, and what, what do they participate in? Uh, I have two. My daughter is 15. And you know, she's a big soccer player. She's, uh, you know, that's, that's her number one thing. She, um, uh, she's in high school. She'll be a sophomore. She plays, uh, she plays soccer for high school. She plays, you know, club soccer as well. Also plays field hockey uh, in in high school too. That's that would sort of like is her secondary sport, but soccer is definitely number one on, on her uh, list. My son is uh, is going into eighth grade. He's thirteen, and he's a big basketball player. He's also played soccer a little bit too. But, you know, he's definitely, you know, basketball is declared number one for him. You know, over the years, they've they both played, you know, several different sports. But in the last probably three to four, you know, each sort of, you know, naturally kind of found the ones that they, they liked the most. And now they're kind of, you know, getting settled in those. What is it that parents don't know that maybe uh, they should when you think of, you know, high-level sport participation? I think to me, most parents probably don't realize 
Um, well, I think there's a couple of things. One, I think that parents are a little extreme when it comes to what they expect of their kids and what they think is going to happen, you know, in the future. Um, I think that parents today are, you know, in, in some respects are just out of control and, and, and crazy. And you see them at games and the yelling and the screaming and, um, uh, they, they lose perspective, uh, assuming that they had it going in that their, their kids are on this path to becoming professional athletes when they don't understand, you know, just what that means and how few make it. And, you know, if you stop it to think about it, it's, it's pretty clear, but they get so wrapped up in the moment, uh, that they forget about it's, you know, the kids themselves are not fully developed and, you know, they're, uh, for the most part doing the best they can. And so, you know, there has to be this level of enjoyment. And I think that gets taken away from kids sometimes when parents, you know, kind of go overboard and and are are too excessive. I think, um, that, you know, the, the kids that are most successful, um, and, you know, a lot of even, you know, the professional athletes, the ones that, that, that do make the pros is, you know, they came along and they probably they played different sports, a lot of them, and they were allowed to just go out and play. And it wasn't always, you know, in an organized fashion. They didn't have to have high level training like all the time, you know, and even if they did, they were allowed to enjoy it. And there wasn't this pressure to always perform at every moment by the parents. Um, yeah, and you know what? When you you know get to a certain age, there are expectations, and coaches and teams, you know, rightfully have certain expectations, and you should be you know growing and evolving. But at the same time, and I think what the parents should do is they they should be the counterbalance to that. They should be the ones who like you know after the practices, after the games, you know, are there you know as a support, you know, you know, as an emotional sort of like shoulder for for you know the kids because. You know, the parents aren't the coaches in, in that regard, especially when you get to that level. Um, and, you know, and the parent-child you know, relationship is more important than the athlete-slash-parent you know, relationship. Um, and so I, I, I just think that there's, there's too much getting lost in that moment of trying to get to some level that is really unrealistic. And I, I think that, you know, when I, when I do games, for instance, if I'm calling like a college basketball game or a football game or whatever, and I'm doing my preparation, and this happens all the time, I'm, I'm going through bios of the players on these respective teams, and you know these are Division One teams, and you look at some of these players and you, you see their accolades, you know, going back to high school, and you see that um, you know Johnny so and so was the MVP, you know, of not only his class. Not only his school, but his entire district, you know, probably won a state MVP title. He was captain all four years. Um, you know, he, you know, won a state title in three different sports in high school. Left as the high school's, you know, all-time leading scorer and rebounder. And, oh, by the way, at this, in this game that we're calling, he's coming off the bench. He's not even a starter. So, when mm. you know, you know I, I, I'm privileged to that information. I see that, and you think, wow. My, my big thing is, I, I, you know, not to lose the years of, you know, enjoying and being around your kids and, you know, let, letting them have fun with the sports. 
you know, because if you spend all this time pressuring them and do this stuff, and all of a sudden they get to this point where, you know, they sort of get blocked out of the sport because they've, they've reached the end of the line, then you've lost all this other time with them. So to have that perspective early on, I think, is a valuable tool. As, as a parent, what do you hope? What do you hope for when your kids participate? What do you want your kids to get out of their participation in sport? A couple of things. First of all, you know, I, I want them to, you know, in, enjoy what they're doing. You know, enjoy the sport, enjoy being around, you know, their teammates and you know their friends. Uh, you know, because you know, a lot of them are playing with their with their good friends with some of these teams. Um, but I think you know, what I also hope that they get out of it is the concept of what being a part of a team means, you know, the sacrifice, um, you know, getting along, working together, accomplishing a goal, figuring things out, troubleshooting, um, you know, I think things like that. And, you know, also, uh, you know, just working at a craft, you know, something that they enjoy doing, finding a way to get better, um, taking direction the right way from their coaches and just, you know, continuing to evolve and improve um, and, and doing the best you can with it and learning all the lessons of uh, that you do along the line and things that, that we've been talking about. I think that's, you know, really, I mean, to me, that's the most important thing because, again, you know, they're, they're probably not going to be professionals, but there are so many, you know, valuable lessons, life lessons that come out of this. Um, that I think, you know, really apply beyond sports. I was talking to uh, an assistant coach um, not too long ago last season prior to uh, the hockey game I was doing, and he he had played for the coach, and he was a first-year assistant, but he had never been coached before, uh, and he had, he had finished playing, you know, relatively recently, and he told me a story about how, you know, during, you know, the early practices for that particular season and even in some of the games, you know, things – you know, players are making mistakes. Things weren't necessarily going right. And he would always be going to the head coach and, oh, we got to fix this. We got to tell him this. We got to tell him that. You know, and the head coach, who you know, was a seasoned guy, had been around for a long time, was a veteran, kept saying, no, you know, in certain cases, we, we're not going to step in on this. In certain cases, you've got to let them figure it out. Um, because, you know, and his point was the fact that you, know, you can't always tell them, uh, what to do in certain situations. You have to let them be, or you have to put them in a position, in an environment, to where they can make the right decision. You know, you can't make the decision for them, even though you know what that right decision is. You have to let them sort of like troubleshoot and figure it out on their own, so when it comes time to make that decision again, they know how to make that decision, as opposed to just always stepping in and say, okay, this is right, this is wrong. So I think that's sort of a process that you can apply to life as well. And it's, you know, it's just one of the things that they learn along the journey. Hi, everybody. If you are considering how to improve your organization, facility, or league, consider our organizational league facility certifications. These certifications are extremely affordable, and you can choose from three different levels. Level one is our most affordable certification that starts with just your administrator getting access to our pro membership resources. And then all of your coaches can be put on the same page by using our rookie membership resources. Level two certification gets all your coaches in your entire organization using our pro membership resources together. 
Level 2 will help your coaches teach and develop consistently throughout your program. And Level 3, everyone in your organization, all administrators, all coaches, all parents, all get on the same page with access to our pro membership. Level 3 will completely transform your baseball program. Plus, we'll provide year-long follow-up for support, strategies, and ideas to help you and your organization maximize and use these certifications. If you're asking how you can make a difference for your organization, league, or facility, consider these organizational certifications. You know, sometimes it seems that, that you know, on a team, especially when we get to be competitive in high school and college, if a boy's not playing, it seems that some of our parents don't think the experience is worthwhile. And what I found is that some of the most worthwhile experiences come to the kids that actually aren't the, the stars. They're the ones that are in the background that may not even get much of an opportunity, but they're always they're always playing for the other kids, pushing the other kids. They're they're playing without any guarantees. They're the kids that that later on in life become the backbone or the successes of other endeavors. And and I wish more of our parents would be open to the idea that something can be gained even if the kid's not, quote, playing or he's not the star. Right. I think that, you know, you're still a, you're a part of that process. And, you know, look, everybody wants to play. Everybody wants to be involved in, in, in the most significant way possible. But sometimes, you know, being able to sit back and observe certain situations is a very valuable opportunity that may not manifest itself in that moment, but later on down the line, you know, potentially more substantial moments. Um, and, you know, it's something that I tell my kids, too, is uh, when, you know, they're not getting necessarily a lot of playing time in certain situations, um, the, the time that they get in training and in practice is their playing time. And that is just as valuable, if not more valuable, because that's, you know, where you, you get to prove yourself. That's where you get to figure things out. And, and, you know, that's a valuable part of getting to, you know, that next level that they want to get to. It doesn't always have to be in a game. Sometimes take those moments in practice, in training, uh, to, to, you know, and, and consider them to be your playing time, to be your game. And to make your mark, you know, don't always think of it as, well, this is just practice and it doesn't matter. I mean, you know, every time you step on that field, every time that you're out there, um, it does matter. And I think that kids that are in those situations that are fighting for their spots all the time can see the value in that. Whereas some kids who, you know, let's say, you know, just maybe have natural talent and always know that they're going to be a starter. They don't take those, those opportunities as seriously. And they can kind of coast because, you know, their talent has afforded them that, whereas other kids um, really need that. And, you know, again, somewhere down the line, that's going to be a very valuable tool for them and experience. Hey, as a parent, can you, uh, can you give me some of your, you know, basic expectations of a coach? A coach of, a, you know, coaching your own kids. What do you yeah, hope I to mean, see in that coach? Well, you know, I, a couple of different things. I think that, you know, I, I like to see a coach who, um, you know, knows what they're doing in terms of, um, you know, the latest tactics, you know, first of all, um, from, you know, a, whatever sport it might be, who, you know, is sort of like teaches the modern game um, 
and has a sense of what tactics work, has a comprehensive feel for, uh, you know, the different elements that can make a team successful. And, you know, when I say that, I mean like, okay, you know, they, they have the tactics, but then again, you know, they can take the talent that they have and not only make them better, but, you know, adapt their system to the talent and, you know, make the team successful, not just be, you know, stubborn in a sense of like, they're going to play, you know, their game, no matter what kind of talent they have or whatever the situation may call for, you know, that they have that flexibility. Uh, But I think, you know, the most important thing is that, you know, they really do, that they care about the kids um, and the teaching process, that, you know, they care about them as individuals, as athletes, they want them to get better, but they also want them to enjoy the experience because, you know, if, if they're not enjoying it and it just becomes a chore, then, Nobody benefits. I mean, the team doesn't benefit. The coach doesn't benefit. You know, and most importantly, the kid doesn't benefit. Um, you know, I was talking to somebody uh, not too long ago who was saying that, you know, one of the differences between, you know, some of the coaches that he finds in the U.S. for soccer you know, in particular versus some coaches in Europe. And the, the point of the conversation was, you know, the difference between why, now, soccer over in Europe, you know, and, and young kids seem to be so, you know, developed uh, at a greater level early on. Um, and, you know, it, it's open for debate, you know, how much that exists, you know, in, between the U.S. and Europe. But the point was that a lot of coaches in Europe, you know, are just teachers. They teach the game. And they care about the kids and learning and improving, whereas sometimes he finds that coaches, in particular at some of the you know the high level clubs in different sports here, you know they care about winning, and sometimes they just get their group of kids together and they coach to win. And yeah, I, I get that everybody wants to win, and you know there's a certain element to that. But I think when it comes to kids at a certain level, um, you know. I think teaching them and developing is more paramount than just winning. Um, and it, I think it's hard for a lot of people to grasp that. And I think that, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's lost on folks. But at a young age, teaching the game, teaching things the right way, and allowing them to grow is more important than just being on a team that wins. Uh, and... Again, I understand it's hard for some people to get their head around, but you know, for me, that's one of the most important things. And we have a lot of youth coaches that will be listening to this podcast, and that is a great piece of advice. There, I hope, I hope, I hope it doesn't slip by anybody, um, especially at the youth level. I mean, the, the experience teaching them how to play the game well, teaching them how to make people around them better. Those are skills that are really, really important, and more so than the the final outcome. Hey, how oh, does yeah, that, yeah? You know, go ahead, go no, ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, I was just gonna say it's, it's, you know, I've always thought it's like you know, and and giving you know, kids the, the the freedom or the you know putting them in a position to where they can make a contribution uh, and feel valuable in that. Like you know, when I was a soccer player, I wasn't always the biggest goal scorer, but you know, I prided myself on the fact that you know what. For whatever reason, sort of like my value and what I could bring the most was I was an assist guy. I could always set up guys to score. You know, I was sort of like a ball handler. I wasn't always the fastest, but I could make the pass 
that would set up a guy to score. And to me, I'm like, that's great, you know, because as long as we were getting the goals and as long as, you know, we were being successful in that way, I was making that contribution. And, you know, some, and you can apply it to any different sport, um, you know, the, the, the blocker in football or, you know, uh, uh, the point guard in basketball who doesn't score a lot, but, you know, you know, dishes out all the assists. It's, you know, to, to put kids in a position to where they feel that they're valuable and making that contribution, you know, I, I think is really important and really critical. Hey, Steve, as a, as a parent, as a former participant, as a current broadcaster, what are the biggest concerns today facing sports? At the youth level? Yes. Um, you know, I think it's, it's kind of some of the things, you know, we've talked about here uh, in the sense of there's so much pressure and so much specialization at a young age, and I know it's probably not a new concern, but, you know, I see it a lot in, uh, you know, with some of the stuff even my kids get in, and um, it's, you know, the whole pay per, per, per play concept, uh, you know, is, is really a tough road to go down. And it, it blocks out a lot of families and a lot of kids from being able to participate. And, you know, it, it I think, prevents the identification of, you know, some really potentially talented athletes as well. Um, and, it, it you know, when I was growing up and playing, for instance, um, you know, CYC sports were, you know, the biggest thing going. And I played CYC baseball and basketball and soccer, you know, kindergarten through eighth grade. And even though I also played some select sports as well, um, you know, CYC was still some of the best uh, in terms of, you know, teams and you know, games that I enjoyed and, you know, playing with my friends and all that. And I look around today, you know, with my kids, I mean, if you're in sixth or seventh or eighth grade, uh, you know, CYC soccer almost doesn't even exist because if you're not playing for a select team by then, it's almost like the sports bypassed you. Uh, it's almost like the opportunities aren't there because everybody gets funneled uh, into the select programs and the travel teams and the demands on the time uh, and, again, the pressures. And uh, it becomes this business. And the business of youth sports is becoming almost out of control in the sense that you're sort of like losing sight of what the original purpose should be. And anytime you know you get money involved and there's people that can make a profit off things like this, you're going to just see it continue to grow. And you know, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are, are well-intentioned when it comes to these things, but yeah, you know, the kids I think wind up suffering because you know they may want to still play different sports as they're growing up and you know as they, even as they approach high school, but I think they're pressured away from it because their friends are all picking sports and, you know, trying out for select teams here and there. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but when you start to feel like that's your only option and if you don't make a certain select team, or if you, you know, get into a club system and you don't make a certain level within that system and you feel like somehow you're a failure, I think that's the biggest problem uh, is that, 
you see kids who may be able to, you know, there's no, <laughs> that's another thing too, is the fact that, you know, when I was playing, you went out and you tried out for a team and you either made it or you didn't. And if you didn't make it, you didn't play for it. And you went and played CYC or something else. There's really no such thing as select sports anymore. You can, you can always play. There's always going to be a team if you're willing to pay for it uh, with the club system and all of these sports. It's just they have so many of these different tiers. So you can get into that club system, um, but if you don't make a certain tier, then uh, as a kid, you're, you know, again, kind of considered you're failing in some regard. And, and that's, I think, the worst possible lesson or thing that, that comes away from this because kids develop at different rates. And the kids sometimes that are the most successful when it comes to these sports don't develop until later. Um, and because the bodies and just the, the biology, and just, you may have a kid who just blossoms later physically or just mentally figures it out later. But if they're told at an early age that they're not good enough for something, uh, they get discouraged and they don't stay with it. And that to me, you know, it's, it's a failure, you know, for on the part of the system and it's a loss for the team, but the biggest problem is the loss for the individual because they shouldn't be discouraged because of something like that. And, you know, the system that we have today, I think, discourages more than it encourages kids to stick with something and to enjoy it along the way. Yeah, there's there's no doubt that the kid that uh, persevered uh, 25 years ago in sport that maybe wasn't a starter at first, that hung with it, battled his way to finally get his shot and really became something. Those kids are less and less today because it's too easy to do something else that is a little easier to do. Like, I'll just quit this and play another sport. They're looking for players over in rugby or lacrosse. And and the good news is, you know, we have these great options for our kids. You know, it's awesome. The bad news is, is that we take away the real the real opportunity to persevere through something that's difficult that happens right. less and less yeah no i i totally agree i think that uh you know that's something that you know and as parents you know i think this generation and i'm i'm, I'm part of the generation too you, know, you hate to see your kids disappoint so anytime there's a setback or any kind of adversity you want to immediately turn to something that you know is more positive or that gives them some kind of encouragement instead of saying, hey, you know what, you got to put your head down and work through this. You know, this is something that you just have to overcome. Uh, and I think that it's, uh, you know, sometimes it's tough to do, you know, for, for a parent. And, you know, for a kid, it's sort of like uncharted territory because they may be going through it for the first time. But, you know, that's, a again, a valuable thing for uh, for them in whatever sport they're playing and something that'll benefit them, you know, in life too. I mean, I've you know, gone through it with my daughter too, where she, you know, she loves soccer so much and, you know, she's you know, found some setbacks and, and some obstacles, but to her credit, you know, she's, she's not given up. I mean, she's fought through them and she's found ways to, you know, get better and to find, you know, uh, you know, outside training and things that we didn't even push her into. But these were things that, you know, she came to on her own. And, you know, as a parent, that's, that's what I'm most proud of, the fact that, you know, that she identifies these things on her own and finds a way to have that resilient side to persevere. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm more proud of that than I am of anything that, you know, she actually 
know, accomplishes on the field itself because I think that's just more valuable. Hey, Steve, if you had one thing to say to to players and, and parents, uh, if you had the chance, what what would it be? To just kind of back off a little, just just to, to take it easy and to not think that every moment is do or die. Uh, to have the big picture perspective, um, because if you look down the road, think about what's the the most likely scenario okay and you know what you want for your kids and what you can do for them now to give them you know the best chance for success and to you know to also maximize your time with them now i mean you always want it to be um this situation where it's it's pressure all the time and there's always a game that has to be won or this goal that has to be accomplished uh, you know, you have to find the balance between competitiveness, between, you know, you know, just being a parent, being supportive, giving your kids, you know, the, the best situation in order to succeed. But if they don't succeed, to still know that, you know, doing your best and persevering is okay. Uh, and to control what you can control and sometimes, you know, let the outcome take care of itself. I know there's a, there's a lot of different things, but it's all really connected to the same approach, which is, I think, you know, being a parent first and then a sport uh, sort of parent second is probably, you know, the best approach to take. And no matter what happens, whether your kid winds up in the NBA, you know, whether they, you know, never play sports beyond high school, uh, you know, if you think about it, it really doesn't matter because you're always going to be their parent. You know, there's going to be dad, their mom, that's never going to change. And the relationship that you have with them as the parent is the most important thing. So, you know, don't lose that along the way by getting caught up in the minutia of, you know, the daily sports grind that, you know, you can easily fall into uh, at a young age. Hey, Steve, thank you so much. We, I mean, really some great advice, and I, I know it's really going to be beneficial to our parents Thank you for your time tonight. I really, really enjoyed our conversation, and I I wish you the very best in the future. Anytime, Coach. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed our conversation with Steve Schlanger of NBC Sports. It was fun getting his insight on high-level athletes, the passion and commitment that these athletes must have to compete at the Olympic level. And it was also great hearing his thoughts on youth sports today from a parent's perspective. Steve specifically talked about pressure young athletes face today, the balancing act of parents who have children playing sports, and his concerns with the pay-to-play sport mentality. Thanks so much for listening, and I want to ask everyone to please share the link to this Coach Baseball Right podcast episode on Facebook and Twitter.